Let us turn to page 1031, and we'll be reading from Proverbs 30, verses 24 to 28. Four things on earth are small, and yet they are extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. Conies are creatures of little power, yet they make their home in the crags. Locusts have no king, yet they advance together in ranks. A lizard can be caught with a hand, and yet it's found in king's palaces. The very words of God. Four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Brothers and sisters loved by Jesus. This is uh, supposed to be a long weekend, right? And it's Labor Day? You know what I find so interesting is that what do we do on Labor Day? We rest. Go figure that, right? It's interesting how our schedules are sometimes very different. If you are a city slicker, like I am, then your quiet time during the year tends to be summers, right? And um, summers, you want to go to the next slide? Summer is the time that I like to just sit out in my backyard. Now, if you're a farmer, the time for you to sit inside by a nice warm log, is in the winter, right? And that's your less busy time. But whenever your busy or not busy time is, I think there is a wonderful opportunity to read your Bible a little bit differently than you usually read it. You know, if you're reading through um, Chronicles or Kings or... um, uh, the, the, the epistles of Paul, you should try to read as much as you can in one sitting and really study it in and, and really just keep reading to get an idea of what the whole context of the passage is and what its full meaning really is. And so the more you can read, the better it is. Well, not with the Proverbs. The Proverbs, you have to read a little differently. If you read a whole bunch of Proverbs at once, it'll go in one ear and out the other. Or is it one eye out the other? I don't know what it is. But anyway, it's a whole lot better to read the Proverbs with just one little proverb at a time, and then you just sit down and you relax, whether it's winter or summer, and you think about it. And you try to think it through. And what you try to do is to explore the wisdom that God has built into his good creation. 
Because the wisdom of Proverbs isn't arcane theoretical knowledge. It is very practical, everyday stuff that can help us in our daily living. That's what Proverbs is all about. And so what you do is you chew on one proverb. And you look at the proverb and you think about it and you dream about it and you meditate on it and you say, now, what wisdom is there in how God keeps this creation, his creation, in his hand in such a way that I can learn from it? And that's really cool to do. So the way to read Proverbs, my suggestion is to you, is you want to go to the next slide, is that you have one of these in one hand, right? And then go to the next slide, and then you have that in the other hand. That's the way to read Proverbs. Just think about it for a while. That's what we're going to do this morning. So we have this proverb. It's actually a collection of four, but they're all related. The uh, writer of Proverbs says there are actually four little professors that God has given us, or many other little professors, but here are four little ones that are exceedingly wise, and you can learn from them. So learn from these little professors. Go to the next slide, please. And uh, as we've already seen, uh, here we have these four critters from which we can learn. Um, They are small, but just because they're small doesn't mean they aren't smart. Because their teeny tiny brains do exactly what God has created them to do. And they have an incredible amount of wisdom that we can learn. So, let's go to the first one. There we go. The first one is an ant. Now, ants are creatures of little strength. Right? An ant can't lift a lot. If you ever watch ants, they can have a little scrap of leaf or whatever... They can't lift a whole lot, but yet they store their food up in the summer. They get by as well as you do and I do. And that's really amazing to the writer of the proverb. But he says, how does the ant do that? How does such a teeny tiny critter manage to get through the hard seasons when there is nothing to eat? How do they do that? Well, they can't use anything big or strong, and they don't have tractors or anything. They simply have to do it by plugging away at it hour after hour, day after day. You know, as we just heard again this morning uh, in the children's message, um, ants, right? Do Do you ever see them stand still? Well, yeah, I've seen an ant stand still, but it was dead, right? For the rest, they just keep plugging away at it. On and on and on they go, and you hardly even notice them, and you don't see them. But these ants get by just fine, and they can produce what they need to live because with God-given wisdom, they just plug away at it a little bit at a time. They don't need to be heroes. They don't need to be rock stars. They don't need to be big and strong and mighty. They don't need to be famous and rich in order to get by. All they need is the willingness to just keep at it, day to day, week to week, month to month. Faithfulness in doing their task, whatever task that is that God gives them to do. And they do it, and they get by just fine. 
You know, that's a lesson that we all need to learn. As God's people, we don't have to be big shots. We don't have to be big shots in our church. We don't have to be big shots in classes, synod, the denomination, the world. We don't have to do that because we have one Savior, Jesus Christ. And that Savior, Jesus Christ, even though he is a big shot, he is the Son of God, he's the biggest shot that ever lived and ever will live, he got down on his knees and he washed dirty, stinky feet. And he said, if you want to be a big shot in the kingdom of God, you do the same. You get down and do the humblest jobs, but do them faithfully, do them well, and the kingdom of God will come. And that is a wonderful, wonderful promise we have. So the wisdom of the ant. Keep plugging away at it. Keep plugging away at it. And I had one elderly widow lady once, and I was visiting her, and um, she said, you know, Domine, I can't do anything here. I'm crippled. But she says, I know that you're a young Domine, and you've got a big family. And she says, I know you don't have enough time to pray. Whoa. You know, she's right. I don't have enough time to pray. She says, I'll pray for you. In the kingdom of God, she says, in the church, we can do that for each other. She says, I'm promising to you that I will pray for you every day. And I can't tell you how incredibly that blessed me as a young pastor just getting going, scared to death of everything I had to do, knowing that there was one elderly sister who was praying for me raising my name before the throne of grace every, every day. You want to talk about just plugging away at it without ever being seen by anyone else. That's what the kingdom is all about. That's the wisdom of the ant. Then there's a badger, this, um, this, this coney. You want to go to the next one? Ah, there we go. Good. You're way ahead of me. Um, These conies are creatures of little power, yet they make their home in the crags. What's going on there? Well, in the Judean desert, in the wilderness, people cannot live. We cannot live because people, in order to survive, need to change their environment, right? We have to build houses for ourselves. We have to build places where we can uh, grow some crops so we can eat. Uh, We have to change our environment in order to be able to survive. But this rock badger doesn't do any of that. Can't even do any of that. Doesn't need to do any. The rock badger gets by just by accepting its limitations. It cannot change all those rocky crags. It cannot move boulders around. It can't use TNT to blow up rock to go on mining or doing whatever we do as human beings. All it can do is simply see what there is and make its nest right there by accepting its own limitations. And it turns those limitations into an advantage. This is how the rock badger works. survives. They just make their home, make their nests in the crags, and they can live where you and I cannot. So what's that about? What's the wisdom there? I believe the wisdom there of accepting your limitations has everything to do with being the body of Christ together. 
Paul makes a huge point of that, right? Is that God's Spirit did not give all the gifts to every member. We all have limitations. There are all things we're good at and things we're not at all good at for which we need each other. We are interdependent. We need each other to do stuff. If I had to get behind that piano and lead you in song, you would all leave this church in a minute. Different gifts. But we depend on each other, and you'd think that makes you weak, right? Wouldn't it be much stronger if everybody in church could do everything? The answer is no. Because, for example, let's take a look at biology. Suppose that every cell in your body could live on its own. Wouldn't that be amazing? You know what you would be? You would be a big puddle of amoebas laying in some pond. Because the very reason that you are the complex, wonderful creature God created you to be is because every cell in the body depends on every other cell for its existence. It's that interdependence that makes us strong. And it's the same in the body of Christ. That's the wonderful good news of God's word is that we too have been made one body, Paul says, all with different roles. And if we keep plugging away at our role, what we're good at, and we keep contributing that and sharing it, then that's going to make the entire body strong. Of course, we're not going to be strong if we're going to be dependent kinds of people who simply always take, take, and never give back what the Spirit has given us that we're good at. We have to give back just as we take, as we receive, we also give, right? That's what makes us strong. That's what makes us the body of Christ. Uh, But we don't need to be these independent people who don't need anybody else. In fact, faith, you know, it's very interesting, but faith is strong and strongest when it is experienced together in community. Uh, When I go camping and I have a fire, the fire manages to keep itself going pretty well. When I want to put out that fire, all I have to do is spread those coals. I don't have to do anything else. I don't even have to put water on it. I just simply can spread the coals, and those coals, because they are spread out, will simply die out. The fire will go out. Think about that. In our faith, why is it so important for us to go to church and to be part of a church? It's because faith, when we are separated, just like you take a log of wood out of the fire or a coal away from the fire, it will go out. And so it is that we need each other to be the body of Christ, to recognize our own vulnerability. I don't need church. Really? I don't know about you, how strong a Christian you are, but I sure need church. And that's what we need to see. Third creature is a locust. Now these locusts, as as was explained to us, these things are amazing to watch. They say in the ancient Near East, when your farm, you know, you got your crop up, you see this thing coming. It's a swarm of locusts that just all fly together. They come down on one end of your field and they just eat their way through your entire field. So not a pretty sight, right? And in fact, they can get so thick and dense that they screen out the midday sun. 
horrible thing to watch. But on the other end, there's an incredible amount of wisdom in these little insects because by their orderly marching, they can keep themselves alive. The locusts have no king, no ruler, yet they advance together in ranks. And um, the proverb sees a tremendous amount of wisdom in there. And the wisdom is this. They don't need a leader to do what they're supposed to do. They simply do it out of self-discipline. They don't need this. Go to the next slide, would you? They don't need, these locusts, don't need a teeny tiny little drill sergeant telling them, come on, you maggots, get moving, right? March. They don't need any of that. They simply go and do what they are supposed to do, and they don't wait to be told. Well, that makes for a very strong church, right? If you don't simply need to depend on your pastor, which you don't even have right now, you stop being church because your pastor is gone? Of course not. Of course not. You keep on doing what you know Christ asks of you to do. You keep on serving each other, helping each other, loving each other, doing the things that you are to do as a church Why? Because you don't need to be told to do it. You just go and do it. You know, there are lots of roles in church where you get some encouragement and people thank you for it. You get some notice and people realize that you're doing good stuff. There are many other jobs in church where nobody even notices what you are doing. Well, if you're one of those people who is contributing in this body in that way, Keep on keeping on, brother. Keep on keeping on, sister. Because it's on that kind of work where you're not told what to do. You don't get a lot of glory for it, but you simply give from the heart because you love Jesus because you know that Jesus loves you and then you just keep on doing it because there's one who sees and he is your leader and he is your king and he will reward you and he will thank you even if everybody else doesn't even know you're doing what you're doing. Learn from the locusts. Don't be over-dependent on your leaders. By all means, have leaders. By all means, have elders and deacons and pastors and uh, committee leaders and, uh, and you know, group organizers and all that stuff. But don't over-rely on them. Don't wait for them in order to do what you know that you can and should be doing. Just go and do it. Why? Because Jesus sees and Jesus knows. Final critter here is the lizard. Now, the uh, lizard, uh, as we heard, can be caught with the hand, yet it is found in king's palaces. What's that about? I had to think about this for a while. I had to read a few books on it, and I still didn't quite get where I thought we needed to be. And so I got a guess, but maybe your guess is better than mine. So, uh, you know, you reflect on this. You get out there with the lemonade if it's still warm enough and and, and with your Bible and, and think this through a little bit and pray about it a little bit and see if the Spirit will give you some guidance. This lizard can be caught with the hand, yet it is found in king's palaces. Well, the first thing I learned about these lizards is that the ancient Near Eastern lizards were very small and very harmless. They couldn't hurt you. Like a bee is even smaller, but a bee, when you grab it in the hand, 
right? Uh, not a good, good thing. You have a bad day. But a lizard, you can grab these lizards in your hand, and they can't do anything to you. They're totally vulnerable. They can't hurt you. Well, that's, that's a clue to where this is going. Yet those lizards, even though they are so vulnerable and can't hurt you, they end up in king's palaces. Whoa. How about you? How about me? Suppose I said, I want to go see the queen. Right? So I fly to Buckingham Palace or to London, and I go to Buckingham Palace, and um, I, I go to the gate, and I say, uh, uh, you know, one of those guys, that was beef eaters with funny hats, sir, I want to go see the queen. So he'll say, who are you? Well, Bob DeMore. So? I, I'm a retired pastor. Good for you. Nice. Well done, good and faithful servant. Go home. <laughs> but I want to see the queen. You can't. Why not? Do you have an appointment? No. Well, you can't go see her. There is no way that I would be able to get into that palace, right? How about this lizard, this wee little lizard, this beef eater standing on his gun in the hot sun, right? Hour after hour. Can you imagine doing that job? I can't imagine doing that job. Anyway, you know, this little lizard just walks right past the guard, walks underneath the gate, walks up the steps, walks under that great big door, goes right up the stairs inside, goes up around the corner, goes up another set of stairs, goes around to the end of the hall, and goes right into Queen Elizabeth's bedroom. Huh. You see, that's the wisdom of this, parable, or of this little parable, of this little saying. That animal, because it was so harmless, could get where you and I could never get. That's the whole point. It can go places you cannot go, I cannot go. Why? Because it is so vulnerable, so harmless. Think about this in terms of the business world, right? Dog eat dog, one always trying to best the other one, always trying to outmaneuver the other one. And if I get ahead, the way I do it is by standing on your shoulders or on your head. In the kingdom of God, the real wisdom of the Holy Spirit is this, is that being vulnerable is not a bad thing. It is a very good thing because it can take us to places we cannot ever go otherwise. I'll give you one example. If you're in a small group, conversation, discussion, and uh, people will let down their guard and will be vulnerable to you and let them know, let you know about the things that really hurt them or that scare them or that make them angry or the things that they really disappointed about, then we can have a really good, important conversation where we can speak heart to heart as brother and sister, right? And we can encourage each other and build each other up. Why? Because we made ourselves vulnerable to each other. And we can go places that you can never go if you don't do that. And I think that's amazing. We don't have to have this big image of being the fearless, important, self-reliant people. We can simply put away all that nonsense and be who we truly are and truly bless each other. That's what the wisdom of this, uh, this little animal is. It shows us how to be vulnerable. 
Let me just say a few words to, to, to the guys, and then I'll quit my sermon, okay? Promise. Uh, guys, you have been taught to be independent. You have been taught to be self-reliant. You have been taught to keep your emotions to yourself because constantly our media keep telling us that to be a dude, to be a real man, you have to be strong and independent and self-reliant. If you're going to be a father, or if you are a father, and you have sons, would you please do them a tremendous favor? And would you show them how vulnerable you really are? Would you please show your son, your daughters too, of course, but you know, particularly the sons, because the messages they keep getting, teach them that it's okay to hurt. Teach them it's okay to tell others that you're hurt. Tell your kid that sometimes you're scared or you're afraid of a new situation. Tell them what it feels like to, 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 to be overwhelmed by a situation and you just don't know how to get a hold of it. Tell them that you're sad. You know why? Because by making yourself that vulnerable to your child, you are teaching that child that it's okay. They're allowed to feel. They're allowed to express their emotions. They don't have to just keep on stuffing it. But they can actually reach out and receive some help from someone else. And that's not a bad thing. That's a really, really good thing. So, four little creatures. And these four creatures are very, very wise. They are not strong but really, to put it all together, uh, these little critters teach us that what matters is wisdom and not strength. What matters is for us to be faithful in the little things, the day-to-day, everyday things that never end up uh, on the Internet or in a newspaper, but to be faithful in them because we know that our Savior, Jesus Christ, will indeed, in his good time, do the big things. And we can believe it. And we can rely on it. And in the meantime, we can just keep on plugging away at it, knowing that one day he will say, well done. I love this old hymn that basically says, O Master, let me walk with thee in lowly paths of service free. Tell me thy secret. Help me bear the strain of toil, the fret of care. Teach me thy patience, still with thee in closer, dearer company, in work that keeps faith sweet and strong, in trust that triumphs over wrong. Let's stand and sing it together. O Master, let me walk with thee.